Thank you for listening to another message from New Sound Church and our lead pastor, Josh Monty. For more information about us, you can check out our website at newsound.church, or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We want to thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Share your story with us at story at newsound.church. Enjoy the message. So you're here on a special day. Um, if you don't know, this church is seven months old. Um, and what God has done in such a short amount of time is it's, it's just Him. We're so excited that, that we could get to be a part of it. You know, I, I believed this when my family and I were packing up about a year ago around this time to move to South Florida where we didn't know anybody, to come down here and, and, and start connecting to and, and, and to begin building a local church. I never could have I never could have imagined this, but I did know this, that God's heart was, to, was always to reach South Florida. That was his heart. That's the heart of the Father. Um, and so it wasn't like he didn't need me to do it. Uh, but if we didn't roll up our sleeves and go, we would have just missed the blessing of getting to be a part of this. And I think this, this is just how it works in the kingdom of God. And um, he's, God's going to do what God's going to do. He is... He's a sovereign God, and he loves his lost children. But when we, when I think sometimes we miss the opportunity to get to be a part of it. Last week, I had the privilege of preaching up in Jacksonville. But while I was away, my amazing wife, Kim, shared the word. How about that? Just amazing. Just amazing. I'm so proud of her and, the, and that message. And it was just so perfect. And about halfway through, though, I turned it off because I'm like, you need to quit preaching at me. Like, that's for them, not for me. <laughs> Today is Vision Sunday. And so you go, maybe you've never been a part of that, and you don't, you're like, whoop. Like, that's why you're like, whoop. Like, I don't know, who cares? Like, that's what you were doing. So really, I, I just feel like it's important every now and then. You don't have to do it all the time. But every now and then, it's, it's really important, especially the way that we've grown in the first seven months of our church, now we've got to stop and we've just got to kind of re-clarify, restate kind of who we are and, and where we're going. And, and I think it's just really important. In fact, Proverbs, this is probably a verse you're familiar with. It says it in this way, where there's no vision. Where there's no vision, people perish. Another translation would say, uh, when the, with, with no direction, uh, the people feel hopeless. That I think it's, it's for, I don't know, for you and for me, I love, I love church on Sunday morning, but then really driving down on the idea, okay, is this it? Because I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that Jesus died so that we could do a one-hour church service and check a box and go to the house. I think there's probably got to be more to it than this. Um, so what does that look like, and who are we as a church, and how are we going to get there? I think vision is wildly important. If you've known me for the first seven months of the church, you've known that every Sunday, except for the last couple, I have worn glasses. Um, I, I have not lost the need for glasses. I've just lost the glasses. Um, I went out the other day and my, my, uh, behind my wife's minivan uh, were my glasses, shattered uh, from being run over by the car or stepped on by children. I don't know who did it, but I can tell you there was a passy laying next to the broken glasses. 
so I blame the short redheaded one. And, um, and I actually ha- haven't had bad vision forever. It's actually a byproduct of some stuff I learned. So I, when I, um, I, had, I had perfect 2020, 2015 vision when I left for college. I went to the United States Air Force Academy, and they test your eyesight like over and over and over um, to make sure that you're not colorblind and that you've got great vision. Uh, because at that time, they weren't allowing any corrective surgeries for people to fly or do anything like that. And so that's what I wanted to do. And so, I mean, they checked my eyes and checked my eyes and checked my eyes. And, uh, but then what they taught me while I was there is they put these glasses on my face um, that have cameras that look back at your eyes. And they taught me how to speed read while I was there. Well, the advantage of that is um, the average person reads three words at a time uh, five to seven times. So you, your eyes look at a word and they scan, 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 and scan, 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 scan. And they do that. And they taught me how to read seven to nine words at a time one time and just grab sections out of sentences. And so I can sit down and read an entire book in less than an hour uh, and read the whole thing front to back, which is a great skill. But the problem is over time, it began to wear my eyes out, um, exhausted my eyes. And then I started having to need glasses uh, to, because I became what is known as far-sighted. Now, it's always, it always gets me backwards, so if you don't know this, so if you're far-sighted, that means you have trouble with things that are close up. Um, and then if you're nearsighted, you have trouble with things that are far off. And I always get them backwards. I wish they would have just made it a little simpler. But, uh, but, I, am, um, but I, I have trouble with things that are far off, so I'm nearsighted. I do a good job up close, but um, about four rows back. I don't know if you came to church today or not. Really don't know. I'm glad you're here. Smile if you want to. Doesn't matter. But you guys in the first couple of rows, I'm going to need you to participate because I can clearly see you. And I know you're here. And so I, um, so I had to get glasses because I have trouble seeing things. It's hard for me to drive at night without them and all those kind of things. So we're, we've got the glasses ordered, so, you know, don't worry. Um, but now my face just looks weird because I've been wearing glasses for a decade and now my f- face feels weird without them on. And, um, and for the, any of you 90s people, I feel like Steve Urkel when he took off the glasses. <laughs> Except it's like the opposite for me. I don't become cooler with them off. <laughs> I mean, I had the worst doctor's experience of my life because of my eyes. I went to, we had just moved to Kentucky to start a church and my wife booked this appointment online. And I went to this place, and the minute I walked in, I started texting her, and I said, if I never come back, speak well of me. It was nasty. I went to this eye doctor, and it was just, it looked like it got to 1971 and then just stopped. <laughs> and it was weird, and there was just, I mean, it was just the, the, the place, I mean, they, I mean the, the, the phone, the phones were rotary. I'm not making this up. Like, everything in it was just weird, and it just felt weird. You ever had that just hair go up on the back of your neck? And I walked in, I sat down in the chair, and this guy, the eye doctor comes in, 100, 147 years old. And he sits down, and he gets up real close to me, and he has a mustache that I can feel. And he's got the thing against my face. And he's like, you know the deal, right? Which one's better? This one or this one? This one or this one? This one or this one? And I always, that's always a very stressful time for me anyway because I'm like, I don't know if I got it right, you know. And, and I always want to get the right answer. And he's like, which one's better? This one or this one? And I'm like, oh, first one. No, that's one. It's a tie. It's a tie. It's a tie. It's the same. It's the same. I don't know. I don't think I need glasses. I'm going to go. And every time he would answer, I would go, which one's better? This one or this one? I'd be like, second. <laughs> he would pat my belly. I'm not making this up. 
And you go, that's a good boy. You're a good boy, smart, smart boy. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, baby, am I making the story up? No, I'm not making the story up. So, and he, ooh, good boy, that's my good boy. And he kept doing that. Now, keep in mind, uh, at that point, I had been wearing glasses for five years. Every day, all day, every day, glasses for five years. He does all the thing, patting my belly the whole time. I am sweating profusely, <laughs> knowing that in many countries, we are now legally married. <laughs> he slides over to his desk. <laughs> he, he slides over to his desk, and he starts writing. And he turns out, he's got glasses on. And he pulls the glasses up, and he looks back over. He puts them down. He looks back up. And I'm like, what is he, like the Da Vinci Code? What's he writing over there? And he looks back, he takes his glasses off, slams them down on the desk and goes, you need glasses. And I was like, I know. I came in here with them on. Best eye doctor appointment I ever had. I went back to him for years after that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Never saw that man again. It was, it was creepy. I'm good nearsighted in the world, but I think to be able to lead a church well, you've got to be farsighted. But let me say this, to lead your family well, you've got to be farsighted. Um, you got to get a vision for this. That, you know, it's funny. Family, raising kids, marriage, career. It's like we start it, but we never defined what we wanted the end to be. So we never have any idea if we're accomplishing the thing that we set out for. And so we've got to be willing to stop. And I don't care if you're 8 or 80, you can stop now and say, what do I want to do, God, with whatever time I have left? What do you have for me in this life and what would you have me do? And I, I think we, you've got to be willing to hit the pause button and say, God, what do you want for me? What do you have for my life? Our vision for this church in this season is as clear as I know how to make it. And it really comes from this. So I want to get for our church 2020 vision. We need 2020 vision. We need to be able to see great in the distance. We need to be able to see great up close. And that comes from a verse in the book of Acts, 2020. See what he did there? <laughs> Paul's writing to the church, and he said, you know that I have not kept anything from you. He was saying in this moment that I have not hesitated to teach you anything that will be helpful to you, but I have taught you, here it is, publicly and from house to house. Publicly and from house to house. So, welcome to the publicly. This is the publicly, but then he said that that's never going to be enough. People come to me all the time, and they say this. They say, oh, man, I love this church. Oh, I love it because you got lights and screens and the cameras and the coffee, but I like it now because it's small. And I say, and I just tell them, you know, it's the nicest way I know how. I hope, if that's why you like this place, I hope you hate my guts in six months. I hope we're huge. Not because I need a number to fulfill an ego. Not because we need anything to get on anybody's radar. I'm telling you that lost people matter to God, so they have to matter to us. And it is God's will for the church to grow. It's God's will for people to get reached, for families to get taken care of, 
for marriages to be restored, for lost kids to come home. And I'm sorry, like we refuse to allow this thing to become a holy huddle. For too long it's been that. When shipping was the major form of transportation up and down the seaboard of Europe, and it was incredibly dangerous, rescue societies were formed up and down the coast. If a ship was coming in and they got shipwrecked in the cold Atlantic Ocean, a bell would ring and people would jump out into small little boats and shoot out into the water to save as many people as possible. Well, over time, they would go out and save as many people as they could and they would come back and they would party because they had accomplished the thing that the rescue society had been formed to do. They had one mission, get people saved. Well, over time, how many of you know people left to themselves will make it about themselves? And they realized that the water was super cold, a little dangerous, but that party was awesome. (laughs) And what started as the foundation, as rescue societies up and down the coast of Europe, became the formation of what you you and I now know today as yacht clubs. (laughs) I refuse to allow a thing that was founded to be a rescue society to ever become a yacht club. So, people say, what's your mission? We don't have a mission. Jesus' mission has a church. And Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. So we won't make up a new thing. We won't even come up with a new one. So in, in that, what we believe that we've been called to as a church is to create a weekend service that lost people can come to, groups where you can grow, and places where you can serve and help make a difference in somebody else's life. That's what this thing's always going to be about. A vision for your life, for the church, will bring a few things. A, a fir- the first thing is going to bring, a, a vision will bring focus. To get 2020 vision, it'll, it'll get focused. It allows you to know what to say no to and what to say yes to. You know, it's always, it, we're, we're always kind of getting pulled in directions and it's hard as a pastor especially as we've grown you know I, many of you may not know this you know we're seven months old we launched the first week of january with 468 people on the first day statistically you are supposed to drop 50 percent from week one to week two and then continue to drop for the next 10 weeks after that and then once you hit that bottom you might then begin the process of growing most churches never start to grow And in fact, 93% of them fail within the first five years. From week one to week two, we went down 18 people. And we've kind of been growing every week since. um, To God be the glory. In, In the middle of the summer, in the hard middle of the summer, we're around 600 people in the middle of the summer, of our very first summer. And as you look around, I don't know if you can tell, but I, I widened everything out and I added a bunch of chairs this week and uh, you filled them up anyway. And I would love to just say, okay, whew, we got enough people. Shut the doors, Jed. We're good. But we don't get that luxury. And even right now, as a baby seven-month-old church, we are already too big. For you to get to know people in this place and for them to know you if you're not willing to get into a group. And I don't, you are not a number in this house. You matter to us deeply. 
which is why we're working so hard to add as many groups as possible so that somebody always knows how you're doing, how's your soul, and they're helping you take the next steps in your life. A vision will bring focus. The Bible says in Proverbs 17 that an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool sets off in many directions. So we don't have many directions. Like, we have one direction. We're going to do a great publicly, and then we're going to do a great house to house. And we're just going to make it about that over and over and over. A vision, a great vision, uh, will bring endurance. A great vision will bring endurance. Like, this is not all easy. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but like, all this has to get set up. Songs have to get practiced. Coffee has to get made. Babies need to be held like those are all like it just it takes a lot of work but a vision for what you want to accomplish in your life will bring endurance and I, I want to encourage for all of us today that if you're feeling your endurance starting to wane go back to the thing that you committed to become at the beginning you've got to have like hey there are times I'll be honest with you marriage isn't that isn't that easy and I'll be honest with you um there are days when it would be easier not. Like, it'd just be easier just to, hey, we had a good run. <laughs> we tried our best. Thanks for the meatloaf. <laughs> I'm out. But we have a vision. When we, when we met, we, we decided who we were going to be together at 70. And so we have a way where we can stop. And when it's getting hard, we realize, man, no, we've got a vision We've got a vision for where we want this thing to go. Ecclesiastes says, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. It was a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. He said, listen, there's got to be more to life than just making some money and buying some stuff and then letting that stuff get used up and then upgrading that stuff. He said, I realized, this is Solomon saying, I got to the end of my life and I realized like, Man, there's got to be more to life than that, and there is more to life than that. I can't promise you a life without problems, but I can promise you a life that I can give you something to be a part of that's bigger than your problems. Yeah. And I, so I think sometimes when, we, when our vision gets messed up, it's because, guys, there's always, like, we're all raising kids. Like, we got, like, 20 of them. Like, we're just all raising kids. Like, we all have bill problems. Hey, how many, I, like, every one of us, Kim and I, we, you wouldn't believe, I quit going to the mailbox. Ignorance is bliss, y'all. <laughs> Every time I open that mailbox, the man wants his money. And it's always that surprise one. Because like, it's right in the month right where we think, ooh, man, we got a little walking around money. Like, we're going to go down to the beach, go, go get some shrimp cocktail. <laughs> open the mailbox. <laughs> Spaghetti it is. <laughs> come on who said that's a surprise spaghetti dinner in this church yeah been eating that surprise spaghetti but he said listen there's something more to life the great theologian hank williams jr said no matter how i struggle and strive i'll never get out of this world alive he was just quoting solomon and he said listen like, there's more to life than just stuff. you got to have a vision for that. And I love, he said, a, a vision for life will bring peace. See, I don't need to be there yet. 
I don't have to be a finished product yet. I don't have to have it all come together yet because I got a vision for what it's going to be and I'm just going to keep working every day. Jeremiah, he kind of got into that place. And, you know, Jeremiah, he had some good stuff. You know, uh, you, everybody always quotes, I know, you know, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. But y'all didn't know he said this, why did I ever come out of the womb? <laughs> huh? Anybody ever had that day? He said, I, obviously, I was just born to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame. Anybody got a sad sack friend like Jeremiah? Yeah, we all got that. I see it on Facebook. So how are we going to get there? How are we going to get there as a church? We have a few values, and I want to share them with you. You see them on the walls. You see them in the cafe. But I want to tell you who they are because I want you to know who we are a little bit. The first is real love. And this is how we would define it in this house. We love. We love people where they are, so we will make a place where you can belong even before you believe. We, shift, we have just shifted kind of our, cult, our culture a little bit and our process a little bit. Um, we used to kind of put this class that we called Explore on the front side, and it was working great. We've had 350 people go through Explore since we started the church. But how many of you know, I say, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, break it, then make it better. So that's what I say. So like, we just said, listen, but that's not the goal. I don't think Jesus died so that you could be an usher. Like, like I think that you, like, we need to understand that there are people that are in process. There, you may be here today, and you don't believe what I believe. I need you to know I'm secure enough in who I am in Jesus and what he said about me and what his word says. I am so great with you being here if you disagree with me. Yeah. You can disagree with me. In this church, you have the right to be wrong. <laughs> Sheer prerogative. Bless you. <laughs> I know that there are people that are going to come into church that are giving church its last shot. We're going to make them feel like a million bucks. So I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your Saturday night looked like. The best, uh, we, were, we were three weeks old. We're just starting here in South Florida. We're three weeks old, and this guy came in. He had come the first couple Sundays, and he came in, and he's got on shorts and a tank top and flip-flops, and he smelled like coconut oil or whatever that stuff, I don't know what it is, suntan stuff, whatever it is, I don't know, obviously I don't tan, um, so he, he comes in, he's, he smells so good, he, you know, he comes straight from the beach, got his sunglasses on, but he said, and he said, he said, pastor, I'm so sorry I'm late, let's be real, I'm still a little hungover, <laughs> and in that moment I thought, I love this church, I love this church, Hey, don't leave your purse sitting on a seat in this church. We got some unsaved heathens up in this place. They will steal your purse. <laughs> leave your stuff laying around in my church. Lady told me, she's like, we need to say something, you know, to make sure our stuff is safe. I'm like, no, no, no. I need heathens in this place. Just people that just don't even care. Still got a little bit of Saturday night on them. They hadn't washed off yet. We're going to love you right where you are. Listen, this is the way Jesus did it. I'm going to love you right where you are, but I'm going to love you so much I refuse to let you stay there. That's the way Jesus did it, and that's the way we're going to do it. So we're going to love you. So people always, they're always like, you know, like I'm not going to make a bunch of disqualifiers to keep you outside the family. The, the, the way that Jesus did it is he brought Zacchaeus in, even though he was stealing money and acting like a knucklehead, and he came alongside of him and he said, hey, listen, you know there's a better way to handle money. Hey, Matthew, 
You know, they called you Levi for a long time. I'll call you Matthew. Can I call you Matt? Matty, listen, let's walk. Listen, you can't be a tax collector. There's probably a better way to handle money. Let's, 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 let's do life together. He didn't make them clean it all up to come to him. He cleaned them all up as they went with him. And that's what we're going to be about. It's the value of my family. It's the value of who I am as a man. Hard work. We're going to work hard. Ask my little girl. She's, she's uh, six, almost seven. It doesn't matter what age group I put her in in gymnastics. She's always the best little one in the room. It doesn't matter. If, if they're 13 or 14, she's better than they are. Like, it's crazy. And she practices over and over and over and over and over. And I said, I went in one time, and every girl, she's like this big, and every girl in the class was like this big. And I said, baby, why are you in that class? And she said, because I'm the hardest working man in the room. And I was like, <laughs> tell him, baby. We're just going to work hard. Listen, this is how we say it. We don't control outcomes, but we do control output. So we pray like it depends on us. Hmm? And we work like it depends on God. No, I got that backwards. Mm. Heresy. Harold, get your purse. I knew it. Redneck boy up there preaching heresy. I've already told you I have a glasses problem. Get over it. Which brings me to my next point. Relentless grace. <laughs> Listen. This is how we say it, I think. We believe in God's pursuit of the long shot, second chance, comeback story. No one's too far gone for a turnaround. Hey, so some of you think, man, I've, I've done so much in my past. I, God, you could never really use me. Honestly, you're the only person I would ever be interested in hiring. Only somebody that's been through something and had to be forgiven of a lot knows how to love a lot. The self-righteous are always creepy. You know, self-righteousness is all about what you've done to make yourself right with God. Christianity, the kind that he died for, is about what Jesus did to make it right with you. And we just believe in grace. So listen, you're going to mess up, you're going to get another shot. Now, that doesn't mean I'm, you know, you steal some money, probably not going to let you be an usher, but like... (laughs) We're not going to look at you and say... You, go away. There's grace, and there's grace, and there's grace. Our next value is bold dreams. We believe this. We believe, and I, and I think, I think we, we live here. My wife and I have lived here. That's why we moved here. We take chances. We're going to try stuff. We don't play it safe while people are hurting, so we make decisions for people that we haven't met yet. Like everything we make. See, I'll be honest with you. I would love to come in and do church for about an hour of worship, okay? And then I'd never want to be done preaching, like ever. Like, I just would love to preach to you for about two, two and a half hours. Uh, Then we stop, eat a couple biscuits, hydrate, and get back in it. That's what I want. But I love Jesus, and I love what he's done in my life. 
but we didn't start this service for people that already love Jesus. We started this service so that people who don't know him can walk in and not be creeped out by everybody's own personal tambourine ministry. We started this church, and I'll never forget, this woman kept telling me, I need to play tambourine, Pastor. I need to play tambourine. I said, you will not. You will not. And she's like, I need to, Pastor. So we get on the front row. The stage was short. It was only a step from about from here to here. And we're on that front row, and she's like, and she's worshiping. She's just worshiping, worshiping. And I'm over there, and I can see her across the aisle, and then I see it. And she go down like this. And come up come up out that purse with a tambourine and she tucks it in close because she knew she knows I'm over here and I'm thinking no don't do it don't do it don't do it worship team's up there just getting it just getting it and she hits me just like this Kim was there tell me tell me I'm a line listen she hits me just like this she she hits me and then she goes and I'm on this front row like no there's nothing I can do because I had to ask myself the question, is it or is it not appropriate to tackle a woman in church? <laughs> I, I, these are things that I had to wrestle with. I played a little football. My flesh said, put her down. But we've created a weekend experience. I need you to know that it's always going to be a safe place for you to bring a friend. Like nobody's going to be just laid out in the aisle. Some people, I think well-intentioned people that love Jesus, they say this. They're like, man, you know, pastor, we just got to worship. They'll say like super spiritual things like we just got to soak. In what? (laughs) I'm listening to church one day and this worship leaders say the weirdest stuff on the planet, don't they? (laughs) Listen to a worship album and tell me if you understand one sentence they said. <laughs> Little girl's up here one time, not in this church. Uh, I don't, she wouldn't still be with us. Um, she go, we're just going to just shoot your face to heaven. Shoot your face to heaven. Shoot your face to heaven. And I'm like, what is she talking about? How do you even do that? So we've got to create a weekend, listen, that it's not all about us. So we're not going to get all bent out of shape on your pet theology, and we're not going to get all bent out of shape on your pet preference. The best thing I can tell looking at the gospel is that Jesus didn't die for your personal preference. He actually came so that his lost kids could come home, so we'll create a weekend where lost babies can come home. And that's what we're going to be about. And then lastly, and this might not be a surprise, big laughs. Because you only laugh with your friends. We only laugh with your friends. We don't just sit, we celebrate. We do church like a party, not a funeral. Listen, I just, when we started this thing, I told our team, I said, listen, I think most people are going through hell for six days a week. Let's give them a day of heaven. Let's just come in, let's laugh. See, you only laugh with your friends. Let's laugh. Let's enjoy being in the house with other believers. Let's make it easy for people to walk in the door that are near to us but far from him. Let's make it about other people. And man, it's a fun thing. This is my favorite day of the week, and I think about it all the time. So how are we going to get farsighted? Real quick, Colossians 1. 
He is the one we proclaim. He is the one we proclaim. It's Jesus. It's not about a pastor. Listen, this church was started to make a man famous, but not me. Just Jesus. So he is the one we proclaim, which means that, number one, if you're taking notes, we're going to share the good news with others. We're just going to share. We're going to share the good news with others. And we are constantly trying to create ways where we can do that. So in September, we're finalizing details on a location. But in September, we will launch a Thursday evening service down by Palm Beach Atlantic University. I gave my life to Jesus as a college student. And so we're going to go get them. And we're going to create a place. Not listen. And college students, it's not so you can soak. Like we're doing it. We're doing it so that we can equip you because I don't think we have to delay your impact in the world. You're not the next generation. You're the now generation. We got to get out of your way and let you start running this thing. The other thing, on Thursday, I drove down to uh, Miami and I bought a truck. I want to show it to you. Uh, This is our mobile dream center. We will be able to do mobile outreach all over the city at any time. It's got a built-in generator, built-in AC. We can do mobile medical clinics. We can, do, we can bring bounce houses and speakers and roll into a neighborhood and just adopt a block and throw a party for people and let them know we're doing it because Jesus loves them. We've got a place where we can put a big cooler, fill it with ice cream and water, go down to a rough neighborhood and just let them know we love them. There is no limit to what we can do. It's all about what you can dream. And then every single week, and hopefully by next Sunday, that thing's going to be sitting right out here in front of the church. And this is your vehicle. It's yours to use to reach the city. And I pray that like, we have to increase the fuel budget every single year because the thing never stays parked. It's just we're going to let people know. And we thought we can invest in brick and mortar downtown. Or we could do this and we can just go where the hurt is. We bought two 24-foot trailers that that truck can tow. Um, and when, a, if uh, God forbid a hurricane comes, new sound will be the thing that heads into the, in, into the problem to, to deliver hope and healing and, and love on people Like we're going to be there. And, um, and I'm so excited about it. And it's honestly, because if you call new sound home, it's because of your generosity that we're able to walk down there, pay cash money for something, and then just walk in and start serving people. You may not know this, and as a side note, I need you to know that we set a year one budget of $350,000. When, when I set that budget, I was thinking, Jesus, how are we ever going to get $350,000? But I was like, kind of like faith, like, you know, like, God, we'll just believe you for some. Um, um, as of June, um, we had brought in $450,000. So... Um, so then we just gave a lot of it away. Um, we've given away $80,000 to missions in the first six months of this church. Actually, if you include the cost of the truck and all of that, we've now crossed $100,000 um, as, a, as a seven-month-old church. That's Jesus. We're just going to serve people. I, look, people may not come to know Jesus because of the sermon that I preach. They may come to know Jesus because of the water bottle that you hand out. They may come to know Jesus because of some portable medical clinic. What if we did a portable, think about this, we could do like a portable sports camp. 
We just, we just roll in with all the stuff, with water and all the flags and everything that we would need. And we could just roll in one day, roll into a place, just grab a field, and then just bless some kids all day and then just bounce. Just let them know we did it because Jesus loves them. And so we love them too. The possibilities are endless. And I want somebody in this place, I know deeply in my heart that this is what you've been praying for. Like this is what, like you've been trying to figure like, you know, like, look, like you'll ush. Like, you know, the gift of ushing, you'll ush somebody, okay? You'll make some coffee, but there was something inside of you that knows, like, no, I was made to, like, to do something, really do something. And as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit has just been dropping this in your heart, like, this is literally what I was made, God, by you to do. I've been praying for this, like, and I'm telling you, we will not get in your way for the opportunity to serve people that are near to us but far from him. I can't wait. So if if that's you, man, like... We did it. Like, I'm excited. So we're going to share the good news. And then we're going to fellowship with other believers. Listen. So people come, people come, like, people come to New Sound and they'll be like, "Uh uh-oh, did you go to New Sound? Well, I used to. I used to go. I'm like, oh, really? Why'd you quit? Well, just, you know, I just couldn't get connected. I'm like, well, did you join a group? Well, no. Well, did why did, why did why'd you quit going? Well, I just, you know. When you strip away all the arguments, what it really comes down to is I didn't have any friends there. When you strip it away, listen, the preaching is amazing. Okay, let's get real. Okay. <laughs> Kim wrote it. <laughs> um. Hey, we got, God has blessed us with dynamic worship. We feel like we, we do a good job preaching the word. But like at the end of the day, what you need, the only thing that's going to move the needle in your life, does somebody know who you are and how you're doing? There's no other way for that to happen if you're not in a group. And we want to encourage you in the process of fellowship. Like, and listen, you go... I had a lady, you ever heard somebody that can use the word pastor, but they use it like a cuss word? Uh, how come you don't have a women's group, pastor? I'm like, why you say it like that? And I'm like, because you haven't started it yet. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but I don't have a passion around women's groups. But if you've got one, I will do everything humanly possible to pair you up with people that have your same dream, and we will turn you loose to reach people. We exist to build people, not programs. If it takes money or an announcement, it's a program. If it takes me saying yes to your dream, it's people. And then we're going to work every day, number three, to become more like Christ. That's the goal. He continues on that verse in Colossians. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Ephesians 4, 15. God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ in everything. Maturity is not automatic. Sitting in church every Sunday doesn't make you any more of a Christian than sitting in my garage makes you my car. Maturity is a process that you have to engage in. And the way that we will do that here is in small groups. Now, we're going to make it super easy for you to get into a group. As you walk out of church today, if you've never been to a small group ever and you don't know how that works, there's a sign back there, there's a red tent, and it says, Lunch with Us. And we've got some of our, like, least weird people. We, we had to get rid of a few weirdies. 
we got some of our, just some of our greatest families, and we're, there's going to be a rotation, so every week we'll be new families. But their whole job, you know how they're serving Jesus today? They're just going to stand under that tent till you come hang out with them, and they're going to take you out to lunch. We're all going to hang out together. Because maybe you haven't gone to a small group yet, and the idea of going to a small group makes you a little sweaty. The idea of going into somebody's house feels a little uncomfortable. But you know right now, no, I could take the step and just go to lunch with somebody after church. Listen, I, I know your complaint when you leave here isn't going to be the music. Your complaint isn't going to be, oh, they didn't preach the Bible. The thing that's going to keep you from sticking in this thing and to have endurance is you've got to get 20-20 vision. You've got to go publicly and from house to house. We want 80 to 100 groups this fall. We're working every single day to have 80 to 100 groups, and we need you in the game, and we believe it matters. For number four in this last thing, to serve God by serving others. To this end, he continues in the verse, I strenuously contend with all my energy. I'm not going to make it about me. I'm going to work really hard, and I'm going to serve other people. And when you do that, when you came in, you got a connection card. Do me a favor and pull that out real quick. This is an all play. This is a, very, this is a different card than you've ever seen before. It's brand new. We printed it out just for today. Tonight at 6 p.m., we have an opportunity for you to get plugged in. I know it's hard. You're like, well, i got to go to this class. i got to do this thing. So what we did is we just bought dinner for everybody. We'll have dinner here, child care. And at 6 p.m., if you're going, man, like, these people might be my kind of weird. Like, listen, let me spoil it. Look, look, I don't think Jesus died so that you could be a greeter. I, I really don't believe that. I do believe that your purpose is higher than being an usher. I always thought it was weird when they would say, you know, come find your purpose in church. Like, okay, so my purpose was to plant churches and to preach the gospel, but yours is to pass a bucket down a row? No. Um, I think you were made for some great thing, but how about this? How about while we're helping you find out what that great call of God is on your life, why don't we step up next to each other and serve somebody along the way? And so on that card are places for you to begin to indicate, like, what are some areas where you would be excited about getting plugged in? And then tonight, it's so, we'll show up, we'll have dinner here, we'll have child care, and then we'll just teach you how to do it. So like next Sunday, you could have your sleeves rolled up in the game, Serving alongside other people, helping make a difference in somebody else's life. It's not super complicated. Like, it's not sexy. There's no hard sell. If you don't do it, that's fine. Come back next Sunday. We're not, like, there's no guilt trip. That's just not how we do it. But I think you serving makes a difference in other people's lives. Because I think you'll make a connection with somebody that I was never made to make. Because you just never know how God might use you to touch somebody else. Growing up, I wasn't... I, I wish I would have heard what my kids hear. I wish they would have known... I wish I would have known that Jesus made me on purpose and for a purpose. I wish I would have known that... that it was His death on the cross and His death alone that made me right with Him. I wish I would have known. My parents split up when I was a kid. My dad lived on the other side of the country, and then I was kind of left with my mom, and I'd just be 100 I mean, it was a, it was a, she was a, it was tough. 
She's a very abusive lady, emotionally, physically. And I grew up with a 50-pound chip on my shoulder. I went off to play football at the Air Force Academy. I had an accident. I shattered my jaw. I have a titanium jawbone from here back to here. And no feeling in the bottom part of my face. I ended up back in Birmingham, Alabama, of all places in the world. Had never lived there before, but starting to reconnect with my dad, who I hadn't been around for years and years. I mean, praise God, we got the greatest relationship in the world now, but I, we were getting to know each other, and I was just struggling. I, I thought, God, there's got to be more to this. Battling depression every day, thinking about just driving my vehicle into a telephone pole. I tried going to this little country church, and nobody was nice to me. They acted like I'd interrupted their little, like, holy huddle. I didn't have nice clothes. I didn't look the part. And one guy, middle-aged guy, white hair, tapped me on the shoulder. And I, in my mind, I thought, well, it's about time somebody talked to me. And he told me I was in his seat. I didn't know they did assign seats. So I got up and left. The problem is what he didn't know is that kid that walked out of the church that day was going home to take his own life. I was that depressed. And didn't know how to tell anybody that I was that depressed. As I pulled in the driveway, my next door neighbor came out. She had invited me to church a bunch of times and I'd given her a million excuses. But that day, I guess it just, I was out of excuses. She said, it was a church plant. And I was like, well, I didn't even know churches could start. I didn't know that was a thing. And then she said it was meeting in a high school. And I was like, well, that's a cult. That's how you know. <laughs> but I was like, I'm depressed enough. I'll join your cult. Like, whatever. <laughs> whatever. She's like, how's it work? Like, you bring the chicken, they provide the chicken. Like, what's the deal? I pulled into this high school parking lot and there were people out parking cars. And I thought, that's weird because Christians don't know how to park. And I realized they weren't parking cars, they were parking people. I walked into the cafe and this little lobby area and I could hear the music was already going. I knew I was late. Everything had cleared out and there was one middle-aged lady that started walking towards me and my heart just fell. Because I thought, you're going to tell me that I'm in your seat. You're going to tell me that I don't belong here. And I just couldn't handle what that was going to mean. And she, I stuck my hand out to shake her hand, and she moved my hand out of the way, and she gave me a hug. And I've told this story a thousand times. But I just, I don't know that I would be on my way to heaven. I don't know that I would have the family that I have. I don't know that I would have seen all that I've seen. I don't know that I would be here today if that woman hadn't gotten out of bed and made it about somebody else. And she walked up and she gave me a hug and she brought me to my chair. And I heard music I didn't know any of the words to and all of it seemed weird to me. But they had a joy that I wanted with everything inside of my bones. And when that pastor said, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus today, I remember, I was like, I'm all in. 
God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll go wherever you want me to go. If this is real, you've got all of me from now on. And I walked to the back of that room that day, and that same woman, the only reason I was still in the building, she gave me a hug and she had tears running down her face, and she said, welcome home. And isn't it just like God to bring a lost kid home with no mom? Isn't it just like God to use a mama? I've led tens of thousands of people into a relationship with Jesus. Baptize thousands. Help start hundreds of churches. And one day I'm going to get to go to heaven. And I'm going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And then I believe. I believe Jesus is going to say, hey, I got, I got somebody I want you to meet. And she's going to say, welcome home, boy. Who would have ever thought? And I'll get to say, thanks for not making it about you. Did you know that I baptized my wife and my kids and my dad? Did you know that we started a church in South Florida that changed South Florida? Did you see all that? Thank you for rolling up your sleeves and letting a lost kid come home. People ask me, why do we have to add more services? And why would we, why the dreams? And why the this? And why more campuses? And why would we ever do it? It's because as long as there is that lost kid in this city, we won't stop. We won't stop until we get them all. Until we get them all. And so I want to invite you today to come on the journey with us. Not because we've all got it figured out. Not because we're the greatest thing. I'll be honest, we're just the latest thing. I want to invite you on the journey because I believe you on this journey can make a way for a kid. For a lost son or a lost daughter that wouldn't come home without you. And I believe that somebody's salvation is on the other side of your obedience. And I want to invite you. I want to invite you to come with us. Never have we seen in the history of the local church what it would look like if everybody in that place who had, who, who had confessed and given their life to Jesus. Never have we seen in the local church what it would look like to have all of those people roll their sleeves up and make a way for people to come home. That church is a revival church. That church is a change a county church. That church is a we are never the same in Jesus' name church. And it would be my honor if you take a moment and fill out that connection card. And then at 6 o'clock tonight, come hang out with us. There's no bait and switch. There's no hook. And there's no weirdness. But we will unashamedly make a way for you to get a part of this thing with us. Because we believe lost people matter that much. And together, together, 
I think we can make it really hard to go to hell in Palm Beach County. Father, we love you. Oh, Jesus. Thank you for today. Thank you for the dream of this church. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you. Hey, guys, right there, I mean, in your seat, maybe for some of you, you've just kind of kept church at arm's length for a long time. Maybe you got hurt years ago. Hey, quit letting somebody that doesn't even walk into this building rob you of your purpose. And so you just say, Jesus, I'm going to get in the game. It's time to make a difference. Maybe for some of you today, you realize like, You've been doing life your way. And that you would maybe come to the end of yourself today and say, Jesus, I'm kind of where Josh was a long time ago, sitting in the back of an auditorium, lost and without purpose. But today, purpose would start, new life would start when you give your life to him. Fully surrendered. Oh, Jesus. We don't deserve it. That's why they call it amazing grace. But we receive it. And we won't hoard it for ourselves. We will be the chief ambassadors of hope. In a world that needs it now more than ever. And we commit today to get in the game. Because we're going to make a way for people to come home. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Who's glad they came to church today? Thank you for listening. We would love to have you join us at New Sound for one of our weekend experiences. Check out our website for times and directions at newsound.church. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Please share your story with us at story at newsound.church.